Magazines and Monsters, episode 22, Weird Mystery Tales 15 from 1974. Man, you come right out of a comic book. Buddy, Billy D, a.k.a. Doc Strange here, back with another recording, and Halloween is just about upon us. And uh, to uh, bring up some more scary material here, I have my buddy uh, from the Long Box of Darkness, Herman Lowe, with me today. How are you, buddy? Hey, Billy, I'm great, man. The house, the... Uh, you know, my, Halloween being my favorite uh, holiday and October being my favorite time of the year. Of course, I'm, I'm happy as a clam. <laughs> so <laughs> as a clam with razor sharp teeth that will bite your leg off, you know, typical for a horror <laughs> comic scenario. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go and talk some horror with you. And I'm glad you got me back on magazines and monsters for that. Yes. And just a little. Uh... A quick message here. I think initially I had said, uh, you know, uh, Herm and I were going to be talking about some Swamp Thing on this episode. Uh, we're going to do pull a little switcheroo here. So uh, we're going to talk about another DC horror book. But uh, if you want to, uh, you know, listen to some DC Swamp Thing coverage of Wrights and Ween, Redondo, all that stuff, uh, you can jump over to Herman's show, Long Box of Darkness. And then uh, he and I are going to be talking about the Marty Pasco and Tom Yates uh, run over there as well. And then eventually make our way back over to Magazines and Monsters uh, in the future to talk about Alan Moore. So that you will get that. It's just going to be a little further down the road. So uh, definitely, uh, like I said, jump over and uh, check out Herman's show so we can talk about uh, Pasco and Yates over there as well. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I sort of convinced you <laughs> to go that route. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we, uh, something is discussed in snippets on the uh, on the web and on other podcasts, but they they never, you know, give you the complete package. So I think maybe covering everything from volume one up leading up to Moore's run uh, might be more complete for some listeners out there. So, you know, mm -hmm. we're still going to cross over between the long box of darkness and magazines and monsters. We're just going to do it slowly and properly. <laughs> Yeah, and this will be great for me, too, because this will be the first time I'm reading that material. And, uh, you know, I found it was on the DC Infinite app. So I was like, yes, of course, we should talk about that. So I'm really looking forward to reading that material for the first time. And I know you're a big fan of it. Yeah, excellent. I mean, um, not a lot of people like the Pasco run because Moore's run, I think, overshadows that to such a large extent. But, you know, I think Marty Pasco and Tom Yates on art. Marty Pasco, obviously being the writer, they did some interesting things with that title, and um, they should be given credit for for some innovative storylines that led to Moore obviously finding inspirations for some of his greater tales uh, mm -hmm. later on. So um, Marty Pasco is a great writer. He went into TV writing later in his career, of course, and still mm -hmm. produced some fantastic scripts and so forth for cartoons and shows. So the guy's definitely talented. He was just, I think... Uh, hampered by editorial a little bit and of course uh, him and Tom Yates the artist they didn't see eye to eye on some issues because they were co-plotting some storylines and that also caused a bit of uh, friction but um, I think their run initially was very successful and gave us some great visuals and some fantastic additions to Swamp Thing's mythology so that's why I'm glad that you you're going to help me to bring that to the public <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can't wait for that so yeah just to, to interject with that I didn't want to get it uh show off the rails already here so all right so today you and i are going to be talking about a crazy book you know i sent you a few saying hey what do you think of this one what do you think of that one and you <laughs> right away latched on to this one and this is uh weird mystery tales number 15 uh from december 1974 january 1975 somewhere in there but it was uh, on sale date of september 1974 and uh 
this is a pretty cool one here, you know, DC anthology book where you got three stories in here of horror. And uh, one, of course, you know, mirrors the cover here. And Luis Dominguez is our cover artist. So what do you think of this Ooh, one? Love him. Oh, I love Luis Dominguez as the cover artist. He's probably my second favorite cover artist of the these old horror titles of DC. The first being Nick Cardi, of course. Mm. Of course, I shouldn't give give people like Mike Kaluta and Bernie Wrights and Short Shrift. They did some amazing covers too. Oh, but yeah. you know, they they weren't so prolific with covers as Luis Dominguez uh, was, or even Nick Cardi. And um, this is another winner, even though it doesn't reflect what's ab- actually happening in the comic book <laughs> itself. That's fine. I don't mind because this covers enough to draw you in, right, Billy? It's got this fantastic mm. image of this um, this pretty young Native American girl being attacked by this werewolf who's trying to get into a cabin that she's mm. locked herself in. And that's a very scary image because she looks small, fragile, very vulnerable to this giant beast who's about to rip her to shreds. So yeah. scary cover, fantastically done by Louise there. Yeah, I love it because the werewolf looks to be three times the size of her. And he's like snapping this huge wooden door in half. And then you have two other werewolves creeping from some dark corner of the room. And then the window in the background with the full moon back there. And and then even just the Weird Mystery Tales logo. I love that logo. What do you think? Oh, yeah. The Weird Mystery Tales is one of the best logos. Um, Obviously, uh, riffing off of the whole weird equals horror idea that they had in DC early on. Uh, before the mm-hmm. comic code relaxed itself. But they kept this title weird. And, um, you know, this was one of DC's more uh, innovative books because it at first featured some reprint material, much like Marvel did with their horror line that they released when they started to release a lot of titles uh, to compete with DC when the comic code relaxed, you know, its reigns on horror in the early 70s. But this title soon, I mean, Joe Orlando, obviously being the editor of all the mystery books at the time, uh, you know, this title was one of the better ones because it featured probably the most uh, art by the Filipino guys, which is called the Filipino Invasion that Carmine mm-hmm. Infantino and, you know, was responsible for. Um, I think famously Joe Orlando and Carmine Infantino went talent scouting in the Philippines in in, in the late 60s. And so, you know, they got a lot of Filipino artists over, but they soon realized they weren't doing, they, their style wasn't suited to superhero comics, even though it was fantastically detailed and 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 these guys were very fast they were kirby-esque in how quick they could put out an issue and so they put them on the horror mystery titles and this title weird mystery i think almost always featured you know um uh, filipino artists and then of course the the predominant writer on, on most of these titles were was jack Oleg. But, um, you know, we later on, you know, it featured some stories about D, by DC stalwart writers, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, this being no exception, you know, we've got my, Michael Fleischer in here, you know, writing the first tale and then the second mm-hmm. tale being uh, Paul Levitz, even one of his earliest, uh, you know, writing mm-hmm. credits here. And then David Michelini, Michelini uh, on the third mm-hmm. tale. So, you know, um, this this was one of my favorite DC uh, mystery titles other than the House of Secrets and the House of Mystery. I like this way more than Secrets of the Sinister House, for instance, or Ghost Castle, or you know, um, well, was Ghost Castle even was that an e- was that a Charlton comic? I can't remember, but there was one DC title with Castle in the name. Uh, yes, yeah, Dark yeah. Castle or something. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Secrets of the Sinister House and The Witching Hour and Ghosts. You know, those were my other favorites. But I like this was my mm-hmm. third favorite, The Weird Mystery Tales. 
because great covers and great stories. And it was easy to collect because it, it, it didn't have a very large, you know, um, number of titles. I think there was 24 in all, 24 issues in all. Yeah. So I, I was able to collect this in its entirety, you know, once I started uh, really trying to fill up my collection. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, Mr. B, yeah, what's your history with this title? Did you always have some of these comics lying around or was it more in recent years that you started gravitating towards this this weird mystery tales? Well, I think when I first started getting interested in buying uh, some DCs, I've always been a horror fan, so I would always look at the horror books. And like you said, the you know the House of Mystery, House of Secrets, those were always very popular, so they were always pricier. So you would see more, you know, weird mystery and some of the other titles you mentioned. Sometimes would be a little bit, you know, less expensive because they weren't as mm. in demand. Because they weren't as popular at titles because they didn't have as long of a run. Or, you know, like you said, maybe sometimes, you know, they didn't have, you know, the Bernie Wrightsons of the world, you know, on the cover or interiors. So people, you know, didn't, you know, there wasn't as much of a demand for them. So you could get them on a better deal. So I got a few issues of these before I got any of those other more popular titles. And I liked them quite a bit. And again, cover price is 20 cents. Maybe I paid like a dollar for this comic. And you figure three really awesome stories. And a really awesome cover. Like this cover is so cool for like you know a dollar. That's oh, a, a steal. It's a steal. Yeah, what a steal, man! Just for the cover alone, I would pay a dollar. <laughs> for a <laughs> yeah. torn off cover. You know, the funny thing about Weird Mystery Tales is actually, you know, when it started out as you know reprinted material of of old public domain comics, there was some Kirby in there. You know, from yep. Spirit World, yep. and um, you know that looked very incongruous when I started you know, reading it because I was like, I wasn't mm -hmm. expecting Kirby, even though I knew he did horror yeah. because, you know, the, just the stories contrasted with each other so sharply, you know, you have Kirby in there and then you have destiny presenting a tale, you know, maybe here and there. And destiny was normally penciled by Bernie Wrights and destiny being the horror host yeah. in this case, but soon yeah. destiny being a bit boring. And, you know, they had this, um, the editors had the habit of using the horror hosts to reply to the listeners comments you know, to the, to the, <laughs> yeah. in the mail room. So, you know, Disney was proving, yeah, he was proving more, you know, boring than the other hosts like Kane from House of Mystery and Abel from House of Secrets. Um, so they eventually brought in Eve, which in this case was not the beautiful Eve you would associate with Neil Gaiman's <laughs> revamp of the character. This was the horrible old witch looking Eve, you know, the, the mother presumably of Kane and Abel, right? So, but she's, mm -hmm. she credits herself as only being a thousand years old. So I'm like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so some extreme Bible history here that, that some people believe mm -hmm. in. Like, <laughs> the earth's only 6,000 years old. But here it's like, it's just a thousand years ago that these things happened. But, you yeah, know, wow. um, Eve soon replaced destiny and popularity at first. And this is the only title that I can think of where the two hosts actually had, you know, they had a bit of a, a war between each other. Uh, to take mm -hmm. over the title because I think it happened once Joe Orlando let go of the reins as editor and that Tex Blaisdell became the editor, mm -hmm. but he he was mm -hmm. a firm uh, fan of Eve and uh, he said she's more interesting. She's more EC like, you know, in her yes. delivery and her look. So he wanted that EC feel to the comic. And it's strange that Joe Orlando didn't go for that because he used to pencil for EC and he was over at Warren yeah. after that. So he's he's used to more. Uh, EC-esque hosts, you know, Uncle Creepy over at Warren and, you know, oh, Uncle, yeah. Cousin, Cousin Harry. Harry. Yeah. So I don't know why, but, you know, um, he, he was <clears throat> firmly, uh, you know, going to remain with Destiny as the horror host. But then 
Eve started to impinge upon destiny. She presented a few tales at first, and then soon uh, she would completely supersede destiny, even in the letter columns. And she would threaten destiny, and he would threaten her, <laughs> and then eventually she would kick him off the title. So we're in the Eve uh, era now when we're we're discussing mm -hmm. this particular issue, which is issue 15, right, Billy? And I, yep. I love it. The way she presents it, the way she replies to letter columns. You know, I mean, in this issue, uh, some guy insults her in the letter column. And then she says, I mean, <laughs> he, he compliments her, her tales that she picks. And then he says, you're the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And then she says, well, nobody will ever say that again after they see what I'm going to do to you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so she's more spunky and, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. she's got better replies in the in the mailbag. So I love it. <laughs> That's yeah, why that's I like great. this title, because of this war between Destiny and, and Eve that they had going mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. And like you said, it, I love when they intro these uh, stories here. And like I said, this one has this uh, magazine uh, book has three uh, stories. In it. And the first one, you know, you're going to talk about here is uh, Doom on Vampire Mountain. And yeah. uh, and Eve uh, intros that by saying, hee hee, hi there, gruesome kids. And welcome to another he he fright filled issue of weird mystery tales. Now sit back and he he relax, <laughs> little ghoulies, while I tell you all about the doom on Vampire Mountain. And <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. Great, great little uh, panel up there. And like you said, Michael Fleischer as uh, the scripter and artist. I wasn't aware of who this artist was. This was a, a new name to me uh, when I got this book. Uh, Jess Jodleman. Jodleman. Yeah. He's one of the Filipino guys, Jodleman, yeah. just Jodleman. And a lot of, of course, a lot of those Filo Filipino guys' names were, was unpronounceable, you know, uh, to American readers and to, to yeah. uh, the rest of the West, I think. But, you know, just mm -hmm. Jodleman, yeah, he, this was one of his, well, he had been, of course, penciling before. Mm -hmm. So this was not one of his earliest appearances in, in, in Western comics. But, you know, not as frequent as the other guys, you know, like Jerry Talak and, of course, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, guys like Tony DeZuniga. Uh, they would uh, Alfredo Alcala. They would have more cover credits and 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 story credits. But this guy was was definitely one of the the guys they brought over. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, great penciler, got the classic Filipino style. What do you think about him, Billy? Oh, I love it. Yeah, this story. You're going to get into it here in a second. And oh, I really mm -hmm. love this story. This is probably my favorite story in the entire book, and it definitely is when you look at the artwork. Yeah, to me, this is the best one of the book. Yeah, and it features uh, a character called Herman. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. That's actually one of the reasons why I picked this this issue out uh, among the many you you gave me, you know, to mm -hmm. to maybe discuss on magazines mm -hmm. and monsters. I, I mm -hmm. zeroed in on this issue because this character Herman, <laughs> not that he's a reflection of me, because this guy's pathetic, but um, he also you know, uh, gets horribly mutilated. But we'll get into the story as we go through it. Mm -hmm. So, Mr. B, should I uh, lay the synopsis on the ears of the, re the listeners here? Absolutely. Fire away. Okay, so Doom on Vampire Mountain, like you said, written by Michael Fleischer, art by Jess M. Gelotman. Okay, here we go. Our story starts with a scene of horror as the town of Gazebo Junction is savagely attacked by gigantic <laughs> vampire bats who mm. tear into the throats of men, women, and children indiscriminately. After this terrifying opener, the story jumps to the following morning where a married couple with the names of Caroline and, get this, Herman, are driving <laughs> through the town 
which is situated at the foot of a mountain. Caroline is an overbearing spitfire who bullies her poor husband incessantly. Herman <laughs> is a meek milksop, but it is obvious <laughs> from the start that he loves Caroline dearly. They stop and ask directions to one Phil Maskell's place, which is situated atop the aforementioned mountain, and are warned away by a townsman who burns their ears with the tale of the previous night's slaughter, courtesy of the local vampires who might just be roosting in the very abode that the ignorant couple wants to visit. Scoffing, Caroline forces Herman to hike with her up the mountain, and since it might take them two days to reach the house, they bring camping gear along. As the story unfolds, we soon learn from Caroline that her uncle Maskell had hidden his fortune in his old abandoned house, and she intends to find it with the help of a handy treasure map. That <laughs> night, camping on the mountain, Herman spies the vampires taking flight while, while Caroline lies sleeping. Intending to draw them away from her, he catches their attention and flees from the campsite with the Nosferatu in hot pursuit. Poor Herman is soon overtaken, though, and falls prey to the monstrous fangs of the bloodsuckers who topple him from the mountainside in their feeding frenzy. Caroline awakens in the morning and, upon seeing Herman's empty sleeping bag, presumes that the yellow belly turned tail and <laughs> ran back to the town during the night. She proceeds to the house, finds the stashed fortune beneath a staircase, and returns to her car, vowing to leave Herman in the dust at the first opportunity and find herself a real man. <laughs> Meanwhile, the corpse of her faithful husband, Herman, who saved her life, lies, lies at the foot of the ravine, his dead eyes staring up at the burning sun, faithful even unto death. So, yeah, that's the <laughs> synopsis. Oh, man, that's a great classic horror story here mm. in Weird Mystery Tales. One of my favorites. Poor Herman. Poor me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. So my only thing here is Michael Fleischer. So for those that don't know much about him, he wrote a lot of stuff. And one of my favorite things he wrote was he had a legendary run on uh, the Spectre in Adventure Comics, right? Yes. So mm, of, course, of course. He wrote some of the best scenes of people uh hoodlums whatever getting what they deserve and you know justice being served in some horrific manner by the specter so That's to me right. we needed mm. one more page in this story of the specter then swooping in on caroline and doing something horrible to her for how she treated her <laughs> melting her like a candle or maybe a pair of giant scissors, scissors. Her in twain maybe a, a nest of massive snakes you know, chomping on her. Yeah, mm -hmm. all of that. Victor, oh, her hands melting. <laughs> that yeah, would have been some, yeah, something awful needed to happen to her for how she oh, treated man. her husband. <laughs> Michael Fleischer, what a writer. No, I love the guy. I love mm. him. One of yep. the best DC horror writers from the 70s. Yeah. So oh, you're right. Even, even Marvel. Yeah. I love his Ghost Rider. Yeah, he was on Ghost Rider for a while. Uh, very mm -hmm. restrained there if you compare it to the Spectre. Oh, but he's yeah. Some classic storylines from Ghost Rider, too. Yep. So, yeah, Mr. B, you're right. There's something missing here. And that would have been, like you say, the hand of the specter or an unrestrained Michael Fleischer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but wow, like you said, you described that first page uh, excellently. It is a huge splash page of these gigantic, like almost 
huge bats that are almost the size of the people they're attacking. They're incredibly creepy and scary looking, right? Yeah, no, they're they're drawn so uh, graphically by you know um, Jess Jalodman here because you could see the detail in their faces, the the veins in their bat like ears, you know yeah. the 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 musculature on their wings even mm. you know and uh, then when they chomp into the the people's necks you can see that there's i mean the the, the sound effects too um you know is fantastic here we've got eek and we've got yeah and yar and uh, you can <laughs> see these folks are being ripped apart so these are not really your traditional vampires they're more like monstrous vampire bats mm-hmm. or they're vampires who have deigned to permanently transform into their they're bat-like forms, um, but they're definitely, you know, uh, monsters. So that's why the folks, mm. have, you know, started calling them vampires. The yeah. Folks of the town. Yeah, super, Great. super cool page, right? Oh, my goodness. And then uh, Caroline there, wow. She might be a bit of a shrew, but, man, is she sexy. Wow, the way they draw she's her. Beautiful. Woo. Oh, yeah, my goodness. absolutely stunning. And, you know, the, the funny thing about old Herman, he resembles me in real life. That's what I look like. <laughs> you know, I've got glasses, <laughs> disheveled mm-hmm. looking. Yeah, that's what I, mm-hmm. I look like. So ooh, mm-hmm. a little bit too close to home there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Caroline, ooh, she's, wow. I, I can understand why he puts up with her. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, what a stunner. But, yeah, that's funny when they go camping there then. <laughs> he's, he's very afraid of this warning from the sheriff, and she dismisses it, but... Like you said, you know, he might be kind of a pushover, but he really does love her. And, you know, he sacrifices himself for her. So that's kind of a, you know, it's a very tragic story. And that's why it's like, oh, man, I wish she would have got hers in the end. But, wow, how about that panel of the bats, you know, coming for him? Oh, my oh, gosh. That Ooh. is right. You know, um, I, I refuse to call that guy the sheriff because he looks more like the mayor or a politician or the town <laughs> selectman because he's dressed in a suit. And he's the mm-hmm. sheriff. Yeah, right. Yeah, but he reminds yeah. me of the, the the mayor from Jaws. Everything's all right here. Keep keep going to work every day. Keep doing. There what you, you do. go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's basically what he tells the townsfolk. You know, you know, everything's okay. Keep about your business. We've got vampires, but don't leave town. <laughs> but you strangers, you should leave town. <laughs> mm-hmm. But listen, man. I mean, look at that page where we see the vampires pursuing. Poor old Herman, who saves the life of Caroline by leading them away from her sleeping form. Um, you know that he uses his flashlight to distract them, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that page, I think it's page six, where he shines the flashlight in in one of the uh, vampire's faces. You can see the detail in that face. And these are the vampires with the scariest looking fangs oh I have my gosh. ever seen. I mean, they're needle sharp, but they look like little curved daggers or that what's that indian dagger called a kukri they look yeah. like miniature kukris wedged into the jaws of these monsters mm-hmm. wow you don't want that chomping into your neck and then they do i mean look at that that page where the the vampire's approaching herman and he says gasp mm-hmm. right and then yeah. that, look at those fangs just dripping saliva oh. it's like a few centimeters from his neck this is horrific stuff and I yeah, love and then it. It, it pounces right on his throat and his glasses go flying off his head. And he's like, yeah, and you can see the rest of the bats in the background. Oh, man. And there's a shadow of another one right there, too. Like yeah. it's gonna. And then what does the caption box say? Then once again, uh-huh. the night was still as the vampires gorged themselves on Herman's blood. 
man, that is suitably terrifying. I love it. And uh, mm. gruesome in the extreme because we can see them tearing him apart, basically. And later oh. we'll see what they did to his body when he's splayed out in the sunlight like a, you know, a frog dissected in biology lab or something. <laughs> it's horrible. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, this awful. is a, this is Michael Fleischer turning the traditional horror tale with an O. Henry ending on his head, right, Billy? Because mm -hmm. you would expect the 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 you know character of Caroline to get her comeuppance because she's the 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 person who really shows the most evil. You know, the evil human in this character who seems that she would deserve some justice or some supernatural, you know, retribution here. No, she's the one who gets away scot-free with a fortune. Mm -hmm. And she's also gotten rid of this ball and chain, Herman, <laughs> who was dragging her down. Oh. oh, man, she got everything she wanted. And then, ironically, Herman lies there all torn up at the bottom of the ravine. Oof. And it looks almost like he's still twitching. Like there might be some unlife in him now because of the vampire's bite, but I don't know. Yeah, he's completely like torn apart, torn asunder, and she well, just yeah doesn't know about how he's how he saved her. <laughs> it's ironic. Yeah, this story is begging for a, a a part two where he comes back to life as a vampire and hunts her down. I think <laughs> or Fleischer. Yeah. We need him stat. <laughs> yeah, come on, we need that part two there michael anyway <laughs> it wasn't given to us but wow but you know every single story in this one billy you said this is your favorite i couldn't mm -hmm. really pick a favorite um maybe the, the the middle story the second story is not as good as the first uh, as the opener and the story that you know closes out the comic but mm -hmm. um i also enjoy it the art is great on the second story and on the third and i couldn't really pick my favorite uh, the only reason I think I, I wanted to do the synopsis for the first one is because of old Herman. <laughs> Herman <laughs> should summarize what happens to Herman. Mm -hmm. But um, wow, this this comic is a winner on all fronts. Every single story has its own unique twist, unique art style. And uh, they're all great for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but, but this story, definitely a great opener because it immediately throws the horror in your face like a blood-filled pie straight from, you know, the Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre here. That's what it does. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah, this the second one has uh, another uh, woman that, I don't know if <laughs> text, text, uh, the editor of this uh, comic, Tex Blaisdell, had uh, something against uh, the ladies, or maybe his, if he was married, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe his, <laughs> maybe his wife was a bit of a shrew, and this is how he was getting his revenge. Yeah. So this second story is, Another one where the wife is uh, quite an uh, interesting character, right? <laughs> yeah, two termagants featured, but but different, you know, obviously in their in how they treat their men. But, you know, both mm -hmm. are, are horrific human beings towards their uh, male counterparts here. Yeah, you're right. Two, mm -hmm. two of them uh, portrayed. I didn't think about it until you just mentioned it. But, yeah, I mean, the third tale obviously <laughs> did not have a wife like that featured. No, but, no. You know, mm -mm. A reprehensible uh, human nevertheless featured in that one so i wasn't equating that with with maybe what was happening this month but it could be takes blaisdell in his life you know <laughs> saying i'm the editor and i want you to write stories about horrible women because i've recently suffered this personal you know affront <laughs> courtesy of my wife or my ex-wife i don't know <laughs> that's something maybe you went through a messy divorce and this is who knows was, uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah this second story is called drive in death uh by writer Paul Levitz, and art by Frank Redondo. Um, and this one is about a, a man named Henry Cooper, and he tells his wife, Sarah, that he was promoted at work. And she says, good, now you can have hire a cook 
so I don't have to slave over a hot stove all day. And she tells him that until he hires a cook, they have to eat out at a restaurant for every meal. And she'll only eat at Happy Harry's Hamburger Heaven. (laughs) 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 So after dinner uh, one night, Henry says he's had enough. And he decides to poison his wife and bury her in the backyard. (laughs) So what did you think of this on her? Yeah, this is the most EC esque tale of the bunch, mm-hmm. right? This is this could be straight from the EC fifties tales, you know. And um, I like this because the story is set up. I mean, you you realize right off the bat this guy's a chemist, right? So he's mm-hmm. been promoted at work. So he's got all the skills as a poisoner right there already, even though he doesn't even know he's going to employ it. Um, but you see this overbearing wife of his bossing him around, saying, "I'm not going to cook for you anymore. Hire a cook." And she keeps driving this point home. She even like goes to Harry's Hamburger Heaven every night just to <laughs> tee him off, just so that he would eventually give in and get them a cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he can't afford it, even with his promotion. I don't know why she insists upon it. And um, he, he likes his gourmet dishes. He likes to eat out. He likes to enjoy different kinds of food. He, he's being mm-hmm. driven insane by her, you know, forcing this uh, hamburgers on him night after night, you know, at this <laughs> Harry's. Uh, hamburger restaurant so uh, she drives him mad he eventually becomes insane and decides to poison her and then you know um, this is where the easy part you know uh, you know gets in there because there's nothing supernatural about the story right Billy no Um, uh -uh. it's it's clearly a case of him just uh, you know being a bumbling murderer who then screws up and then (laughs) you know ironically the tables are turned on him Mm-hmm. So I love these stories, too, because it's a nice, you know, uh, most of the weird mystery tales for, and most of the mystery comics in DC focused on supernatural events, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Or supernatural monsters. This one, though, no. This is a nice change up to put between two tales who are so clearly featuring classic supernatural monsters in horror. And then mm-hmm. we get this little murder tale, which is very Hitchcockian. Yeah. So love this story and love the art. I mean, I love the way that uh, Redondo draws the faces in this. I mean, the guy looks like a little cherub, you know, like a little (laughs) angelic, little chubby face. And his wife looks like this horrible, menacing uh, (laughs) Norman Bates' mother-esque figure, you know? Uh Yeah, she looks nasty. And then uh, page page five is my absolute favorite page in the entire book where uh, he had poisoned her when they were out, actually. And then they come home and she... uh, she starts coming down the stairs because he's down in the, the the lower floor or the basement. And she says, Henry, I don't feel well. And he says, really? And she said, you poisoned me, you little creep. I'll get you for this. <laughs> she tumbles <laughs> down the stairs. Yeah, she falls down the stairs and, he, stairs and he says, do tell, do tell. I really don't think you'll be able to do anything about it, my dear. And he goes, hmm, took a little longer than I expected. Now to get rid of the evidence and then later it shows him digging a a hole out in the backyard and he says it was just like sarah to go to her grave cursing me she should like the spot though she'll have lots of friends now frogs and snakes and worms yeah (laughs) there's her corpse laying there (laughs) and then no no this is paul levitt showing his writing chops here buddy because there's a lot of little details you kind of have to notice while reading this tale that Mm -hmm. will make make the tale even more you know you know more impactful at the end because he, he catches a head cold, right, mm-hmm. while while digging her grave. And then earlier on, he said that the poison that he concocted will first take away her sense of taste. 
mm-hmm. his wife's sense of taste, and then it will eventually kill her, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. he contracts this head cold. And then at first it, you think nothing of it because you're still in the middle of the story. You don't know what's going to happen at the end. Then he goes to this French restaurant and he, he calls the waiter, Garçon, frog legs, please, and a bottle of your finest wine. <laughs> and then he can't taste. He's lost his sense of taste. Mm-hmm. You know, so he can't appreciate the meal. So he immediately thinks, oh, my goodness, he inadvertently ingested some of the poison mm-hmm. that he gave his wife. So he's stressing out. He's freaking out. He he goes to the emergency room or to the doctor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says he has to see the doctor now or he'll die. So the doctor obviously needs to know what happened so that he could could treat, treat him. him. Yeah. So he has to tell the doctor the truth. And he does. But there's maybe pe- doctor patient confidentiality clause here. Right. So the doctor can't go to the cops. But the, the doctor plays it pretty fine. He says, OK, you I will cure you now that you've told me you've poisoned yourself with the poison you used to kill your wife but i will only do so if you confess and tell the cops everything so of course <laughs> yeah old you know he says yes achoo just anything doctor save me achoo achoo so as it turns out he signs a written confession cops taking away for life <laughs> but then when the nurse discusses it with the doctor the doctor says no he never ingested the poison there's nothing wrong with him he just contracted a head cold probably while he was digging his wife's grave damp <laughs> 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 out oh, so man. he went to jail for nothing and then billy the final final <laughs> panel is the best of the bunch talk about that <laughs> oh it's awesome we have eve here and she says justice worked swiftly in henry's case he was safe in prison before he even knew it and he even got you know, on a very lucky day, too. You see, tonight, instead of the usual hash, we're serving Henry's favorite. Some more hamburger deer. And she has a plate of hamburgers while he's in prison. <laughs> and she's the 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 person serving him in jail, yeah. serving the meal. <laughs> oh, man, it's great. She's even dressed in the prison colors. Oh, oh it's a fantastic end. So that's why I also love this story. You know, Billy, what a gem by Paul Levitz here. Mm-hmm. it's great it's almost on par it is on par a little bit with the first one too in a, in a completely different horror like vein but still mm-hmm. i loved it and the art is fantastic i mean look at that nurse mm-hmm. oh god redondo drew a fantastic looking nurse there <laughs> i mean I yeah beautiful definitely want to go to that doctor's uh, emergency room. i would poison myself frequently <laughs> just to go over there and uh you know like i say all the characters have their quirks Mm. you know so fantastic tell man what a winner yeah that was a fun one and like you said sandwiched in between these two like straight up horror stories you know one with vampire bats and then uh the next one with uh a werewolf or werewolves um was perfect i think it was a really good story to put in between these two bookends but yeah the last one is called blood moon and like you said david mcleany is the writer and ruben yandok is the artist now you know you and i uh, know him well from uh one of our Halloween episodes on Into the Weird, I can't remember if it was last year, you know, 2020 or 2019, when we talked Vampire about our buddy, when we talked about our buddy to the uh, the Scarecrow. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He was the art on that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of our last Halloween episodes, even maybe. I'm not sure. But yeah. Yeah, that was oh, no, fun. No, no, it was. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah, Billy, speak on that. Yeah, he's, he's a great artist. Also one of the Filipino guys. Yeah, I think all... It may be two out of the three, you know, uh, Bronze Age horror stories that had uh, that character, the Scarecrow, in. he might have drawn them. But I know he did that one for sure. And I love it. It's he was very good, you know, uh, creepy, scary, even though he was more of a 
a hero type uh, horror character in that uh, in that story. But yeah, a good good artist, and that's exactly where I know him from. And then, like you said too, yeah, even uh, some of the magazines as well. He definitely did work in there. That was another place where you could find his work. Lots of black and white material that he did during the 70s, definitely. And he used the pen name Rubeni, um, <laughs> which yeah. confused me because I would see Ruben Yandok sometimes credited. Then I would see Rubeni and others. And I, I was wondering, these two guys, they have a similar style. Oh, they're both from the Filipino school. So that's probably the reason. No, they're one and the same person. <laughs> Rubeni and Ruben Yandok. Yeah. So um, this yeah. one, though. Wow. He I mean, it almost looks like some weird um mashup of Tom Sutton and Mike Pluke. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's what this 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 tale made me think of, you know, Billy, because the werewolf yeah. looks plugish, but but obviously drawn in a different style. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you've got some Tom Sutton-esque face facial features sometimes showing up mm-hmm. and the way that he draws anatomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's definitely his own style. He wasn't influenced by either of those guys. You know, he's definitely come from the Filipino uh, artist that influenced him as a kid. So uh, it just works so well for horror. That's why this mm-hmm. Blood Moon tale is also one of my favorites and why one of the reasons I couldn't pick my favorite uh, <laughs> overall because the art is so strong on all three of these stories. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, this one is, uh, it's a, a, we have a gentleman named Harper Gray and he's a wealthy oil man that has come to Native American land to find more oil. And he treats the locals terribly and puts money above safety and, you know, respect. Uh, but at night, the Native Americans, you know, they tell him that there's a werewolf on the prowl. And it does indeed kill several men. But uh, earlier in the job, he'd been uh, threatened by a man named John Littletrees. So he assumes the werewolf is that man. So uh, he uh, gets some silver bullets and goes to John Littletrees' home and shoots him. But the werewolf is still on the prowl. So uh, what did you think of this story? Yeah, this story itself, you know, was very strong. I at first I, I found that, uh, you know, um, it's a very generic horror tale, you know, like, um, uh, you know, I thought that like, there's definitely going to be some Indian or I shouldn't say Indian, I shouldn't say Native American supernatural mm-hmm. uh, creatures being used here. And I felt I've read this story before in things like Elvira's House of Mystery. There's a similar tale where these this Indian tribe has werewolves you know, as part of their lore and part of their, you know, uh, um, shaman's uh, mystical, you know, uh, powers that he could call up these werewolves. And so I felt like I read it before. But this one's unique because it does have a twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's all about John Littletrees and his family getting revenge on, you know, obviously um, uh, Mr. Gray here for mm-hmm. the, the oil drilling in the swamp. And um, yeah. so I thought, very generic horror tale, but no, it's actually very intricate and detailed, right, Billy? Because at the end, the twist, it's all about this twist at the end. Yep. Where, you know, basically he decides to make some silver bullets to take care of John Littletrees because he suspects him of being the werewolf. Mm-hmm. And um, um, let's, let's spoil the ending here because it's really yeah. all about the ending. What happens mm-hmm. there at the end when he confronts John Littletrees? Well, the, the entire family, really. It's John Littletrees, yeah. his wife, and his two kids. Yeah, the you know he shows up onto the the guy's property and you know shoots him right there dead in front of his wife, and as he's saying you know hey I'm sorry but you know we had to uh, stop these killings and she's like uh, yeah they, they, basically the killings aren't going to stop because then when the <laughs> the panel changes to seeing the front 
of uh, Mrs. Little Trees, you see that she's a werewolf. And he's like, oh, my God, you're one, too. And he starts, you know, she jumps on him and tries to attack him. But he has like a club or something there, or a tree branch or something, and hits her with it and uh, gets away. And he goes inside the house and he locks the door and he's putting furniture up against the door to, you know, try to, uh, you know, keep her out. And he turns around and the children that were inside the house are werewolves as well. And they start coming after him. So he's in big trouble because he opens the door to run away. But Mrs. Little Trees, a.k.a., you know, Mrs. Werewolf, she's right outside the door. And then here come the children. uh, And he's in big trouble on that last panel. Wow. I love that last panel. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it's the last two panels that, that make that that very last panel so impactful. It says in the narration caption, while inside two smaller, though no less ferocious animal, animals hunger for vengeance of blood, stalking closer, ever closer. And then the, you know, the narrator just says, the choice is yours, Harper Gray. Think fast. So he has now think what to do. <laughs> Either get maimed and killed and eaten by the kids <laughs> or get killed by the mom who's outside the door. So he, <laughs> there's no way he's getting out of this. And then we just see the, the image of the swamp and the house and and the red moon hanging in the sky, you know, mm. where the name from the tale comes from, the blood moon. So, and look at that, the way, you know, Rubeni draws the swamp there, Billy. I mean, the roots, mm. the trees sticking out of the swamp there. Oh, that's that's like, I would hang a portrait like that on my wall. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That's like a, that, that's like a story all by itself, and it's one panel. <laughs> exactly, just the scream emanating from this cabin. And uh, mm. drifting through, and the scream itself looks like it's melting. You know the the lettering on that, mm. and like it's slimy and and coated with muck, and then it's <laughs> drifting through the swamp. Yeah, know, the letters rising look, from look the, like chimney. It's ri- yeah, the chimney. It's rising from the chimney, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then follow the reader's eye. You know, all the mm. way out into the uh, swamp. There. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. That's how atmospheric is that panel. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that is fantastic. You know, mm. that's one of the reasons why weird mystery tales is actually one of my favorites. Um, now, I, the reason why I probably picked House of Mystery and House of Secrets is because they featured these legendary tales. But if you think about it, Billy, Weird Mystery Tales, um, they consistently had three or sometimes two or sometimes four, but mostly they had three yeah. great tales. They were always good. They all mm-hmm. always featured fantastic art and they yeah. always featured wonderful stories. So because of the consistency, that's why it's it's my third favorite DC horror, um, you know, title, title from the yeah. 70s, definitely because of the consistency. And I just I, I can pick up an issue anytime and read it. And I was like, this tale's great. The second one's even better. And the third one's a whopper. So um, you don't often have that. Sometimes you would have like a bit of a clunker, even in weird, weird war tales or in House of Mystery. There would mm-hmm. be one tale where you're like, hmm. Or in Ghosts, particularly. I remember that from Ghosts. It's like uh, you read one tale, and then the next tale is almost the same. And then the third tale's hit or miss. So not with weird mystery tales, though, for some reason. No. Mm-mm. So, yeah. yeah. All yeah, 24 like said, issues are winners. Yeah, and like you said, yeah, there's only 24 issues. So, you know, you can track them down, you know, in a pretty decent clip. It's not like it's going to take you a long time to track down just that full run because, you know, like, especially with it only being 24 issues, I doubt they're ever going to be reprinted again. So, you know, get them while you can. Yeah, damn. I hope they have a collection out of all of these DC horror titles from the 70s, but that's probably too much to hope for, right, Billy? I mean, mm-hmm. they've done House of Secrets, they've done House of Mystery, but 
if they haven't done the witching hour yet or ghosts, then they're probably never going to do them. So uh, I think they're focusing on the more, you know, famous titles that feature some seminal character that came out of that. Like from House of Secrets, we got Swamp Thing. You know, from House of Mystery, we got, you know, Andrew Bennett or, you know, some mm-hmm. other characters that, that are now staples of DC. But um, yeah, yeah, these, this thing needs to be reprinted. I would love an omnibus of all of these 24 issues you know, mm-hmm. a nice little sizable chunk. And uh, one of my favorite titles. And then, you know, it's got some other great things, too, about this issue, Billy. Like uh, the ads in this one. Mm. I mean, not not all issues obviously feature great ads. But I particularly love the ads in this one. I mean, it starts off with an ad for, you know, like a typical bodybuilding ad. Which, <laughs> yeah. which has these, <laughs> this guy, which is presumably <laughs> the same man. I don't even know if it's the same guy. But it's this this little kid who's fairly muscular to begin with, and then his bodybuilder, you know, figure eventually after doing this this Charles Atlas course or whatever it is, mm. and then you've got later you've got um, Kenner advertising Duke, the super action dog, the toy that they had <laughs> in the mid seventies, who's a rescue dog, who can apparently use a periscope and. Uh, <laughs> run at high speed dragging this um, rescue unit with the siren along and then he can also abseil or you know um <laughs> do something it's insane yeah oh, it's and crazy. i and i never saw this as a kid never no, i have never. never seen that toy ever in my life not in a store not ever anywhere other than never. this advertisement never ever ever me neither and then there's a second bodybuilding ad man that was weird you know, and then he's got some DC house ads of, of famous superhero titles. And then mm-hmm. later on, you've got uh, a football, play football or wear your own football jersey like, like the pros wear. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that that's weird. And then you've got build your own monster. You've got Batman showing up advertising some DC titles. And then you've got, you know, another uh, red, red China stamps. Why the hell would you want stamps from red China <laughs> when communism was still being frowned on? Then you've got the ad for the DC 100 uh, page specials. That's a pretty mm. cool ad. Yeah, and that then, one's great. I love that yeah. one. Finally, it wraps up with the, the back cover, which is Endangered Animals by Revel. Big action models. And you've got what looks to be a King Kong sized gorilla. <laughs> A uh, Komodo dragon, uh, condor, and then a rhino as toys that or statues that are being advertised. Animal models. It's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the witch's tail mailbag. Whoa. <laughs> fantastic replies over here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. This is the reply she gives. Yeah. yeah, she gives to Brian Prescott. She says, I don't think anyone's ever insulted me like that before. After they see what's going to happen to you, I don't think anyone ever will. <laughs> you know oh man it's that's great. Great. It's great yeah that is so, great i love it when they do snarky replies those are my favorite kind of replies <laughs> love, it, love it so that's why this comic if you paid one dollar for it billy like you said you did mm, this is yeah. a 20 dollar worth comic i would say because you get three fantastic tales with jaw-dropping art and and great twist stories which is not at all predictable i mean you couldn't say that any of these tales are predictable in the least you know, no, and then, of course, no, you've got no, these, no. Yeah, you've got these added extras, which are basically little time capsules of ads and, and the letter column. That's great. And uh, the cover itself is is so beautiful. 
by by Luis mm -hmm. Dominguez. One of the great covers that I think about when I post covers for Halloween or something, I always want to post this cover, but I've done it so many times before that I just <laughs> I have to restrain myself from posting it again. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard not to because those werewolves are crazy, especially the one busting through the door. Uh, it almost oh. looks like it's like half werewolf, half Yeti. Yeah, it doesn't look like your traditional werewolf there. It looks like some kind of, I mean, obviously with the, the Native American girl who's beautiful. She's mm -hmm. Luis Dominguez. He drew beautiful ladies, but she is beautiful. And oh, yeah. she's on the cover. It looks like, well, he's going to break her back by breaking up in the door like that. So I was thinking, mm -hmm. okay, since it's a Native American girl, this must be some kind of a werewolverine or something, you know, even though, okay, there were obviously lots of wolves. There are lots of wolves in North America. The, Indi the, the, the Native Americans had to deal with them. But, you know, I thought this doesn't look like a werewolf. This could be something interesting. Oh, you know, uh, something different. Um, mm -hmm. But then it turned out obviously to be your traditional werewolf. But I'm not complaining. Just the cover alone, just the red eyes of that wolf mm. or that monster. It's crazy. And it's, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And yeah, look the, at the moon through the window with with yeah. what are those spider webs hanging in front of the window or oh, cobwebs? It looks like yeah, cobwebs looks so detailed. Yeah, I really like the colors they chose here for everything, and I do like the choice that uh, Dominguez made too. With like you know those two, as we find out later, that the two kid werewolves, children werewolves, <laughs> how they're in the corner, you know, of this uh, house. And it's so dark, you can just kind of see the shape and the outline and one of their claws. Like, oof, man, this is a really, really good cover. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. One of the best. Uh, so, mm. yeah, Billy, man, this this was a good one. I mean, I picked it, but you're the one who who <laughs> laid it on the table and said, pick this. It's, it's this or, or some other great comics. But I Im immediately gravitated towards this one. Not that I remembered any of the tales particularly. I mean, the last time mm. I read this issue before I prepped it for the show was probably 10 or 15 years ago but wow you know now now i remembered the tales yeah it's not it's i don't normally take it out of my long boxes um that often because it's not in very good condition you know mm -hmm. but um i remember you know having read it a while back must have been more than 10 years or so so you know when you when i prepped for the show it, it was a pleasant surprise remembering these stories and how great they were when i first read them and yeah so i, I gotta thank you for forcing me <laughs> to pick the tale of <laughs> of uh, that unlucky Herman dying at the foot of the mountain, and then the the rest of these gems. Yeah, no problem, man. I I believe me. I know it's not. Uh, I don't have to twist your arm to get you to talk uh, horror comics any time of year, but especially at Halloween. So <laughs> I knew if I threw uh, some good ones out there, you'd uh, you definitely bite. So. Uh... All right, so we already talked about how you know we gave a little preview about you know we're going to be talking some Swamp Thing on Lawn Box coming up. Uh, you know, the Pasco and Yates stuff. And then we do have a couple of uh, Halloween episodes coming out for Into the Weird as well. And, you know, at this point, we already have one recorded and, you know, ready to to pop out there. Um, and then we have another one coming up. We're going to be continuing with some look at uh, vampire tales as usual around Halloween, right? That's right. That's right. So look for some more horror content on Into the Weird. And, of course, magazines and monsters are your you know, go, could be your go-to show for comics and movies and other stuff. So, you know, you've got a lot of movies being discussed with me and other guests this Halloween, Billy. And mm -hmm. then, of course, lots of comics. So, um, yeah, we're very busy this Halloween. That's all I can say. <laughs> yep, for sure. But I I wouldn't have it any other way. But, yeah, speaking of movies, you know, this 
this episode, you know, right here, Weird Mystery Tales is going to be uh, October 22nd, I believe it'll be out that Friday and the following Friday, you know, right before the weekend of uh, Halloween there. Um, that will be, you know, you and I discussing my uh, favorite uh, Vincent Price movie uh, on that episode. Right. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting that one out there because we had a really good time with that one. That one was one of our better recordings. I mean, all of our recordings are good in my mind. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. it might not be the same in the listeners, but, you know, I, I enjoy them after, you know, we, we uh, you know, uh, unplug the mics and then I feel good. So I know it was a good recording, but that one was one of our best because I felt like ebullient after we record that one. Like, wow, are we professional or what? <laughs> not that we are, but yeah, that sounded really good as horror recordings go. I know it. This happens to me every Halloween, though. We talk so much horror around Halloween between Longbox and Magazines of Monsters, and even into the weird. I just can't help but want to talk horror all the time. <laughs> yeah, it kind of ruins War Comics Month for me because that's in November, and you know, mm -hmm. it, it kind of messes that up for me because I'm still jonesing on Halloween come the 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 start of the the eleventh month of the year, and then I don't want to talk more. Other than horror, I don't want to talk anything else. So, yeah, we might, might have to be careful because we've got lots of superhero podcasts out there. <laughs> and, you know, But, um, yeah, I believe you're right, man. Horror uh, is our go-to genre, I think. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not wrong in saying that. We love our superheroes, of course. But I think the most poignant tales come from horror movies and horror comics for, for me personally. You know, mm -hmm. this is not obviously for everybody, but... Um, you know, I find that that's the, the genre I gravitate to more often than not, especially with movies. Um, I would, uh, when I feel bad or when I feel, you know, in the doldrums, I'll definitely pop on a horror movie, one of my old favorites, and suddenly I'll, I'm, I'm a new man. I feel good again. Uh, that mm -hmm. might sound sadistic, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can, you know, sort of uh, exercise your fears by watching horror, you know, then that makes the real world bearable. So that's why I also love horror comics and horror movies. So mm -hmm. Halloween does that for me. It's a cathartic month. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, look for all the horror-related stuff, you know, here, Long Box of Darkness, and definitely on Into the Weird. And then, you know, uh, if you so choose, you can uh, support us on Patreon uh, for Into the Weird as well, patreon.com slash into the weird, because uh, we're putting out some pretty fun content over there as well. You know, every month we have three episodes that pop up usually within the first two or three days of the month, you know, for our $5 and above uh, subscribers over there. And we have a lot of fun with that. Some really good, really strong bronze and uh, age material there. And we have a lot of fun with that talking, you know, ROM and Micronauts, uh, Conan, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Power Man, Iron Fist, Shang-Chi. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of stuff mm. over there. Yeah. yeah. There's something for everybody on that one. Yes. So um, check that out, listeners, if you want to support us that way. Um, and that, that you know, Into the Weird is our main show. But of course, you'll be indirectly supporting Magazines and Monsters and Long Box of Darkness, too. And, and keep us, uh, help us to keep putting out, you know, great content. So mm -hmm. we would appreciate that. Thank you if you support us on Patreon. Much mm -hmm. love to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you to the subscribers we currently have and uh, any future ones, you know, come on in where we're, the water's warm. <laughs> we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll we'll make it worth your while. <laughs> nice. Mm -hmm. So, Billy, so, um, yeah, um, I'm going to have to say that, uh, you know, I want to 
lobby right now that I want to be back on magazines and monsters pretty soon. I don't want to have to wait a couple of months again. So please don't just use October as an excuse to get me on the show. Have me back <laughs> in November or December mm -hmm. anytime I'm available. <laughs> well, I can tell you, you know, I'm going to try and there I'm putting try as a, a word out there that's, you know, really like I'm going to try my best uh, <laughs> instead of being only, you know, every two weeks or twice a month. I am going to try to be weekly uh, with Ooh. magazines and monsters going forward. Not sure I'm going to be able to make it happen every month, but I'm really going to try. I'm going to really try to stockpile uh, recordings so that I'll be good for a while and uh, not have to try to worry about scheduling and stuff like that. But, you know, it, you know if I do uh, complete that task, it's definitely going to be, you know, one of the recordings every month uh, is definitely going to be, you know, like I said, you and I talking some uh, Alan Moore Swamp thing and uh, so on and so forth. And then definitely another movie uh, discussion every month as well, at the at the very least. So those will always include you because, you know, you and I love our uh, British horror. So I love talking that. Hammer horror, yeah. So mm. um, that would be fantastic, Billy, if you could do that weekly. But if you can't, I understand you're a very busy guy, but you know, that would really be heaven for me, listening to magazines and monsters on a weekly basis. That's like a dream come true. So awesome. And you've got no shortage of other guests too. I mean, wow, with your circle of friends on Twitter, there's no uh, shortage of people who wanna, who are clamoring to be on magazines and monsters. So you've had some great guests in the past, you know, Mike from Comics in the Golden Age. You have, you know, Sean Ross from, you know, the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. And then of course you have Karen Walker, mm. you know, um, mm -hmm. from Planet 8. It's it's just there's some it's been so many people who are just absolutely great at what they do and the way they podcast. So wonderful to listen to magazines and monsters in this new era. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome having a plethora of friends that love to talk comics or movies. That's just it's it's been uh, it's heaven <laughs> going Definitely. to uh, yeah, social media for me has, you know, overall been a fantastic experience and opened so many doors to talk to so many other awesome people, like you said, about comics and movies and stuff like that. Just great group of people out there. And thanks to you and them for, uh, you know, wanting to talk to me about this stuff. It's great. Always a pleasure, Billy. Okay. So if anybody's looking to find you, uh, Twitter, what are we looking at here? Well, they can follow me at Dark Longbox, where I talk horror comics and also where I post links to The Longbox of Darkness, my other show, which has one Halloween episode uh, available for the month of October 2021. And then they can also follow us, you and me, at Into Weird, which is our other mm -hmm. show where we discuss Marvel Bronze Age material. Uh, mm -hmm. We're also very active with that account on Twitter. And then they can also follow us at Star Rocket Radio, which is our Infinity Inc. podcast, or at All Squadron, which is mm -hmm. our, you know, All Star Squadron podcast. So we've got four accounts on Twitter, but my main account is at Dark Longbox. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where you'll find all the, the horror goodness for sure. And again, horror is just not for October. You know, we, we know that's uh, what... Uh, the big corporations think, but all of us uh, comic book fans, <laughs> horror is a year-round celebration for most of us. So definitely uh, look into that kind of stuff because, you know, again, we're just putting out stuff and having a good time with it and trying to, uh, you know, put good quality stuff out there. And I think we're doing a pretty good job so far. What do you think? Yeah, I think we're we're improving. <laughs> you know, that's that's mm -hmm. the, the best I can expect of myself, that every episode has to be better than the last one. Now, it, it might not be the case but at least in my heart i feel like i've given it my all so yeah we're trying our best and you know hopefully the listeners uh, will eventually agree <laughs> that, that we're improving so that's yeah. all i can really wish for 
yeah, I think from the feedback we get, you know, we we definitely, you know, are uh, heading, trending in the right direction always. And like you said, trying to get better. So definitely, uh, yeah, give us a shot. You know, if, uh, DC, you know, uh, Copper Bronze Age is your thing. Try All-Star Squadron and Star Rocket Radio. Marvel Bronze craziness, try Into the Weird. You know, definitely uh, give us a look. If you're looking for just strictly horror, Long Box of Darkness and magazines and monsters might be your thing you know so yeah definitely give us a shot out there we're gonna try to uh do the best we can at uh having fun conversations and hopefully uh giving some people a, a good laugh in the meantime too as well <laughs> yeah 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 we're gonna keep it lighthearted and we're gonna bring <laughs> the love we, we're not guys who like to tear things apart and criticize <clears throat> things too badly we're, we're more about what we love and uh, also um you know uh, that's also our personal philosophy in life right billy we we're not haters we don't um like to bring the negative side of comics to the table uh, every now and then we do but in a fun way just a humorous mm -hmm. way and we won't uh, try to denigrate people we'll maybe denigrate a concept or or something that we don't like but you know, most of the time it's all about what we enjoy and we want to impart that joy to whoever's listening mm -hmm. absolutely yep for sure you hit the nail on the head right there buddy Okay, so I guess we're going to wrap up here. So uh, everybody, like I said, go check out Herman at Long Box of Darkness and everything else we talked about, Into the Weird and all that jazz. And uh, we will uh, talk to you again going forward. So I will be back in just a minute to wrap things up. Stay with us. Okay, everybody, that wraps up this episode. Uh, once again, I want to thank my buddy Herman for coming on to uh, talk about this awesome horror comic with me. And uh, stay tuned as uh, next week will be uh, the big Halloween wrap-up show with uh, you know my favorite Vincent Price movie and Vin uh, Vincent Price, you know, one of my favorite horror actors of all time. And Herman's going to be joining me for that as well. So stay tuned for that one and thanks for listening. See ya. <laughs>